0: Hey everybody, it's Cameron, Uh, and before we start this uh, extremely hot episode about ZZ Top, I uh, just wanted to pop in and say that we uh, recorded this. Uh, Since we recorded this, a lot of uh, pretty huge things have been happening in the world, Um, and so uh, hopefully uh, this can serve as sort of an oasis for you and a reminder of a simpler time. Um, But that being said, uh, we hope that you're all um, safe and healthy and taking care of yourself and taking care of the people around you. Um, And uh, we're very pleased to be able to still share stuff like this with you guys. So um, without further ado, enjoy. Uh, learning about how much we absolutely love ZZ Top. Stay safe, folks. Love y'all. Welcome to Pop Rock. I'm Cameron Jeffs. I'm here with my brother Sean Jeffs, and together we are slowly, album by album, listening to everything in our father's vast collection of audio CDs, stopping to discuss each one along the way. Today we are talking about the ZZ Top album Trace Hombres, uh, listeners will remember that we are in the A section of the alphabetized CD shelf right now. But uh, for some reason, this ZZ Top album is just, like, there on the shelf. And uh, I was blown away by Trace Sombres, the third studio album by ZZ Top, released in 1973. How, what... What did you, what expectations did you have coming into this
1: album? I had low expectations because I took a look at the track list and quickly identified that the only song I recognized on the album was LaGrange. Mm-hmm. So I kind of figured it was a little bit of a throwaway ZZ Top album. Uh, ZZ Top has many throwaway albums, I think mm-hmm. it's fair to say, uh, but this isn't one of them.
0: Yeah. It seems like they they kind of credit it with a moment in terms of their experience as a band where they were like, Oh, we figured it out. We really coalesced. Uh, it wasn't a huge critical success like it it got mixed reviews. Um, but it was like it was like pretty popular. Lagrange was the only single from it, weirdly. It only released one single. Um, but yeah, like it really holds up.
1: So Cameron, let me take that thought one step further, mm-hmm. uh, because you say that this was a turning point for the band. Mm-hmm. I would posit to you that this album was a turning point for popular music. Mm. Uh, this album came out in 1973, mm-hmm. and I feel like when you listen to the individual songs in this album, you, I got a sense that it was extremely influential on much of the music that came after it. I'll give you some examples. Um, There's a song called, and I'm sure we'll get into these songs in more detail later on, but just briefly, there's a song called hot blue and righteous, Mm. which sounds like all of the hair metal ballads that came out of the like late eighties, early nineties, I guess like the early eighties as well. Uh, There's also a song on here. So Check this out. There's a song called Move Me On Down the Line. Do you remember that song?
0: Yes. Yes, I do.
1: Did that song make you think of any other artists?
0: No. But I'm intrigued to know what artists it made you think of.
1: Would you agree with me that that song sounds exactly like every song that KISS ever released?
0: Huh. I can't say that I am very familiar with the KISS discography,
1: but... Then accept my representation to you that that song sounds exactly like every song that KISS ever released.
0: I, belie- I do believe you. I want you to know that as your brother, I trust you. Um, and I'm just curious to know kind of what qualities in particular evoked that in response in you.
1: Would you mind? Uh, would you mind pulling that song up? Can we just listen to a little sample of it for the not audience? I would in
0: the slightest.
1: I suspect that anyone who listens to this podcast who's familiar with the Kiss catalog, not that I'm a Kiss expert, uh, but it sounds. <laughs> kiss
0: expert, I'm a Kiss expert. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Go ahead. Cool. Okay, cool. First of all, that's a phenomenal song. It sure is. And so, for contrast, and I might, sh- I might show my ass here a little bit because I didn't uh, perform this experiment prior to the podcast, pull up any KISS song. Pull up, uh, pull up I Want to Rock and Roll All Night. Will do. What's the title of that song? I th- think it's I Want to Rock and Roll All Night. I don't know.
0: It's called Rock and Roll All Night, and it goes a little something like this, and it goes a little something like this.
1: You are right. You are right. When was Rock and Roll All Night released? Oh Cameron, I'll do you one better. This album was released in 1973. Do you know when KISS formed as a band? Was it 1973? It was 1973
0: Cameron. Damn. Ooh, I love the idea of like thinking of KISS like in their little apartments and stuff like listening to this album and being like inspired.
1: Uh, this is the second time this has been referenced on this podcast, but would you mind pulling up a song called, uh, a song by Kiss called, uh, I was made for loving you.
0: I sure would not mind doing that.
1: Completely unrelated to my previous thought, but KISS went through a disco phase in the late 70s, and it was completely mm. ridiculous. Uh, the music video for this song, I recommend you check it out later. Uh, it's super discoed out. I think they're even wearing roller skates, if I remember correctly. It's ridiculous. Ooh. Well, I mean,
0: Anywho. I'm liking that. I, I fell in love with ZZ Top this morning. I guess I'm falling in love with uh, KISS tonight.
1: Yeah, if you like that song by ZZ Top, uh, excluding Kiss's Disco Phase, uh, all of Kiss's songs sound pretty much the same. Um, so you'll probably like Kiss as well. Type on the you day of June. You appear to be hovering 5th. on a thought. <laughs>
0: <laughs> on the day of June 5th, 1997, or more precisely, the night of June 5th, 1997, we as a family went to the Sullivan Arena in Anchorage, and saw ZZ Top perform. Uh, it is maybe my first memory. Um, it's not, I remember things before the age of seven, but uh, but it was an extremely formative, it was an extremely vivid experience to me in that moment. Um, and I, like, the effects of it, I did not realize had reverberated through my life to such a great extent, as, uh, like, uh, there were, there were little riffs and things in this album that, like, my, my brain didn't know, but my body knew, like, um, and I, I do still genuinely think a lot about that concert experience, and, like, the vibe in that arena being, like, so absolutely electric, and, like, people being so, so joyful. I remember we, like, went to the merch table afterwards, and you got a ZZ Top hat, and Dad got a ZZ Top t-shirt, and, um, like, uh, I also remember that there was, like, some naughty stuff in it, too. Like, I was young enough to be scandalized by this, but, uh, old enough to, like, kind of know what they were talking about um and that there's a lyric from their song Mm, i'm gonna forget the name of the song but uh there's a lyric that's uh the form of the song just like talks about these various women that zz top knows and uh one of them is like I know a girl, she lives on the hill. She won't do it, but her sister will. But her sister will.
1: will. she do the two-shoe boogie.
0: <laughs> yes. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I remember, like, them getting the entire audience to sing that lyric, and I was like, everybody in this stadium is talking about sex. <laughs> I, I, My mind... Is blown, um, but yeah, I was. I would love. I would love to see them again if they, if they're still performing.
1: Uh, yeah, so I remember that concert as well, um, and you're right to say that the energy in that building was electric, mm-hmm. and I honestly cannot remember a single other time in Anchorage, Alaska, when I remember that many people being that excited about something. I honestly can't. Uh, and like, I remember uh, ZZ Top took out like a big full page ad advertising the concert in the uh, Anchorage Daily News. Yeah, They actually ended up, they ended up playing two shows. They had one booked, but they sold it out like immediately. So they played two shows. Um, I was playing Little League at the time. And like, I remember dad talking about it with my Little League coach. Like everybody was so excited to be at this, at this concert. And I remember, be I guess if you were seven, was that in 1997? Mm-hmm. How did you know that date?
0: Uh, because dad texted me um, a couple, maybe a couple years ago. He found the t-shirt from that tour. And he, like, mm-hmm. sent me pictures of it and, like uh, like, a close-up of, like, the, it was one of those t-shirts for a tour where, like, The front is like a logo and then the back has like every tour date and place listed um much like the one that i'm wearing now um i'm wearing a t and then Sarah shirt for the listener um but uh yeah he just like sent me a picture of it and and i was like june 5th 1997 it just like stuck with me um
1: i guess that explains why i was playing little league at the time um anywho I remember being in the building like before the concert started and I remember like it got a little intense for me. I I guess I was 10 years old. I was like a little bit intimidated by like the energy in the building. I remember that. Um, And uh, (laughs) then I kind of settled into it after a while and uh, I spent the rest of the concert looking through binoculars that dad brought. We weren't that far away, but dad brought binoculars anyway and I used through the whole concert. The rest of the concert, I had the binoculars, and I watched people go crowd, crowd surfing, hit the end of, like, there was, like, a barrier uh, between the crowd and ZZ Top, and people would make it to the end, go spilling over, and then they'd get marched <laughs> off by security somewhere. <laughs> That's how I <laughs> spent the entire concert.
0: Oh, that fucking rules. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Hell, yeah. Oh.
1: It happened. Hundred times at least it just kept (laughs) happening like people just kept going and kept going and kept going and then they'd hit the End of this thing and then hit the ground.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing
1: Postscript to that story Uh, Apparently blink 182 came to Anchorage before I hit middle school in like 98 or 99 and Somebody told me a story about one of my classmates. I went to a, a school that was middle school and high school And one of the high school kids had apparently gone crowd surfing at this Blink-182 concert. Um, I I think I don't know. She either hit the – no, no, no. She didn't. She – whatever. She fell, right? She Uh hit the ground, dislocated her shoulder. Oh. And some dude saw her fell and so grabbed onto her other arm and yanked her up, (gasps) dislocated her other shoulder. Oh, my God. So she had two dislocated shoulders and she was walking around with like two arm slings for i don't know a couple months
0: damn can you fucking imagine the like miserable but also i would constantly be like yeah this happened because i was crowd surfing at the blink 182 concert (laughs) fellow 10th graders what do you think about that
1: you can get a lot of cred out of that but i remember this person told me the story and uh like the next thing they said like looked over me and went in, in more crude language, said, how do you think she used the bathroom? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Honestly, great question.
1: I don't know the answer.
0: Yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, if they were, this is all secondhand information, but if they were actually dislocated shoulders, I think she could probably make it work. But if they were actually, like, broken shoulders, forget it. Forget yeah. it. No way. Mm. Yeah. Damn. Anywho.
0: Anywho. Uh, I went into this, the listening of the album Tres Hombres" by ZZ Top, which Wikipedia does, um, emphasize that that is Spanish for three guys. Um, I went expecting this to be a very glam experience, uh, because when I think about ZZ Top, I think about, like, Viva Las Vegas, um... And I feel like this, the sound expressed in this album is, I would say, like, fundamentally like a southern rock sound. There's also a lot of blues in there as well, but it is like, it is, it shares a lot of DNA with, like, the Almond Brothers and stuff. And um, I was really, really surprised by that dimension of this. And then kind of from that, I went and looked at more of their discography around that time. And I realized that a lot of the songs that I know that are ZZ Top songs, just from hearing dad play them growing up, are just songs that I thought of as being random Southern rock songs and like not ones that I connected with ZZ Top in my brain at all. Um, so I'm yeah, I'm like pretty stoked to look through their... Especially earlier work, which I connect to a little more than like "Viva Las Vegas." Um, yeah,
1: yeah. So I, I did the exact same thing, Cameron. Although I actually I, I hadn't considered "Viva Las Vegas" until right now. Um, and when I went through their library, the album uh, I most I, I I most sort of uh, identified the songs with ZZ Top four was "Eliminator." uh which has give me all your lovin' mm. got me under pressure mm. sharp dressed man <laughs> legs <laughs> um so if i recall correctly i think that was probably the album that dad listened to the most
0: yeah it was very present culture like even like the like i can hear in my in my mind's ear that like dad saying like singing the riff like every girl's crazy about a shop dressed man like every time any of us would like get dressed up in any capacity for anything um yes and uh yeah like yeah like very much that that album which i had not thought about until right now was definitely a big cultural touchstone in our household
1: I also just realized that anytime someone says the the phrase sharp dressed man mm-hmm. I automatically hear that cymbal riff that's behind Yeah. The... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fuck, that song is so good.
1: Yeah, that's a really good song. Yeah. That was actually so after I listened to this album for the for the first time I went back and 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 took a look through this this discography and then listen to Eliminator again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, those songs hold up. They're all so good.
0: Why is this band so good? I think of them as a funny band.
1: Yeah, me too. I So do I. I think of yeah. them as, like... May, I mean, maybe not, maybe not funny, but, like, sort of a B-52s, like, wacky.
0: Yeah, I think of them as being, like, sort of a cultural joke. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess similar... Like... I, as a kid and teen, connected more to the B-52s. So, like, I've always kind of been like, I know some of y'all think of the B-52s as a joke, but they're, like, actually really good. And, like, there's an alternate universe in which I felt that way towards ZZ Top. And it's, like, it's so so amazing to come at it as a -a 29-and-a-half-year-old man and say, like, holy shit. ZZ Top, the silly people with the beards who made Viva Rock Vegas for the Flintstones movie. Those dudes know how to fucking rock. Like...
1: The the beards don't help anyone take them more seriously. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another thing I noticed when I was uh, going through this discography, um, at the time that we saw that concert, Do you recall what the album released by ZZ Top was? No. It was an album called Rhythmine, which I actually spent a fair amount of time listening to after that concert. I liked that album. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really liked the song Rhythmine in particular. And uh, uh, I think when I heard Rhythmine was the first time I heard someone refer to a band or an album as overproduced oh and so when i sort of revisited the zz top catalog again Mm -hmm. i noticed that trace hombres is a lot more stripped down than eliminator which is a lot more stripped down than Rhythmine. so i wonder if part of the reason we appreciated this album more is because it didn't have the sort of excuse me the sort of elements of production that the the later albums have
0: yeah that makes a lot of
1: sense I'll have to read. which is ones. funny because now like everything's produced like <laughs> i mean like some of these songs don't even really begin with instruments they begin with like synthesized versions of instruments you know so yeah dad would probably say that's how music's changed
0: i would say that's how music's changed yeah and i like that shit i like i like uh I like a a good use of production. I think sometimes people can um, layer production that is not uh, organic to the kind of music that's being made that makes things like an overproduced album. But I feel like if it's an integral part of the experience, hell yeah.
1: Over the course of last week, you sent me a song exploder episode. With a caribou in it. Hell yeah. And listening to that guy talk about his process of making music relates a lot to this conversation because he actually started with a sample then if I remember correctly he like wanted to add some guitar so he pulled out the old keyboard and like put down a guitar riff using guitar sounds on a keyboard. Yeah. So I mean, you gotta wonder if that intrinsically changes the way a track is made. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, for sure. And definitely, like, I know that I've played songs. I've, I've played songs on, like, for example, the bass that... And, and been like, oh, this was written by somebody who doesn't play this instrument. Um which is, which can be a hindrance. It can be like, oh, so this doesn't make any sense with, like, what my hands can do on this. Um, But then sometimes it's like, oh, so this person thought to do something that, like, wouldn't have come organically to me as a bass player. And, like, I can make it work so that it works, and then it's, like, a cool, new, interesting kind of sound that I wouldn't have ever thought of, Um, which is cool.
1: But the flip side of that is during that song exploder caribou talked about like intentionally planting these little like imperfections Mm -hmm. in in the like riffs and loops to make it sound kind of more like lived in and less like produced yeah and i feel like so like when i was in a band in high school and i was like making guitar riffs i would always I, i don't know i feel like those sort of imperfections those things that made a guitar riff sound like it was you know, being played by a person, it just happened organically; like they happened naturally. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. That was a that was an interesting discussion for me to have with myself and Dan Snith,
0: yeah. Uh over
1: the course of that that Song Exploder.
0: Yeah, Song Exploder for listeners who may not know is a podcast uh, where each episode is a different musician breaking down the process through which they created one particular song. Uh, and this one was with Caribou about the song "Home" from his upcoming album, which I'm very excited about. It's a very good track, um, and I've been listening to a lot of Caribou lately, and I'm like, nice.
1: Tell me a little more about that. What I
0: like. yeah, I had never really kind of explored the deeper catalog, but I um, have just been like putting on a lot of like the like Spotify. This is Caribou, like on Truffle mm-hmm. and shit. Um, Uh, he is very, he's a very, very interesting artist to me. He's very, very creative. Um, it was interesting to, in, in kind of poking around the internet to learn that he has a PhD in mathematics. Didn't know that. Which is really cool because, and like, kind of like one element of his work that I don't quite like so much is some of his... Some of his songs can end up feeling a little too mathematical in their structure for me. Like a little too much like a repetition of, of like a riff that I don't think should be repeated that many times. But, um, but I feel like he, he hits way more than he misses. And, and the result is like a lot of very, very interesting sonic stuff. And both in terms of the more electronically produced things that he's made and also like bees, like I want to underscore a screenplay that I write at some point. Like, uh, like it's, it just feels so much like, like the open road and like, um, it, it's a very, like, it feels both adventurous and cozy. Good stuff. Good stuff.
1: Bees is a good song, and I've spent some time with that This Is Caribou playlist as well, mm-hmm. and it's pretty good. It's a yeah. pretty good representation of his catalog, nice. for sure.
0: Nice.
1: I had something else to say there, but I don't remember what it was. Well, it's gone forever.
0: That's okay. Maybe
1: it'll come back. Maybe. Uh, if it does, I'll just blurt it out. Please do. Okay.
0: You were in plaid today. That's pretty unusual.
1: Yeah, I'm not a big plaid guy. Um... This is uh, – uh, so I use a – well, I previously used a company called TrueMaker. Are you familiar with them? No, not at all. They're in New York. Uh, they make dress shirts and then some more like casual shirts like this. Um, and the – I guess the shtick is uh, they send somebody out to either your home or your office. Mm-hmm. They take measurements of your body. And then when they make these uh, shirts, they're tailor-made to your measurements. Um, so they come out looking great. Uh, I like the shirt a lot. I don't wear it a ton. Um, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, have, I have a few of their dress shirts, too. Um, they, they fit really nicely. They're nice. good. Yeah. Huh.
0: Um,
1: Sponsor been That having been said, I also bought some stock uh, dress shirts from men's warehouse for like 30 bucks or whatever. And then had them tailored for $15 and they were fine. Yeah. And these, these true maker shirts are like 80 to like 120 bucks pop. Damn. Yeah.
0: Yeah. My, the best feeling in the world for me is when I like go to like a thrift shop or something and find something that's like so amazing, but like doesn't quite fit. And then I like take it to my little tailor and I'm like, okay, what's up? Like, how are we going to save this? Uh, and then we, and by we, I mean, he comes up with a solution.
1: That's a good move. I've never considered that. If I found something that that didn't fit me, I'd just put it back. But that's a quality, quality oh, yeah. move.
0: Yeah, for sure. Legs yeah. that are a little too long, sleeves that need to be let out just a teeny bit. Like, yeah. That's a good move. Yeah. I found a really sick pair of overalls that were just like, because I wear like a 32 inseam. And they were a thirty-four, and I was like, everything else about these are amazing, but I just hemmed it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I have a really long torso, but pretty short legs.
0: Cool. Do you have that too? Um. Hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking about my torso now. I'd Think about s- it. Yeah. I've always kind of thought of myself as having long legs and a short torso. Uh,
1: Yeah, I don't know. I've got the opposite. Yeah.
0: What size shirt do you usually wear if you feel comfortable revealing on the podcast? Medium. Okay, cool. Yeah, I usually wear a medium or a small. Yeah. What size pants do you wear if you feel comfortable saying? You can also just say inseam if you want.
1: I I usually wear 32-32. Okay. Uh, but I think thirty-two might actually be a little bit long. I think it should probably be more like a thirty-one or a thirty.
0: Okay. Yeah. I usually wear a twenty-nine, thirty-two.
1: That's a weird. That's a weird set of dimensions. How yeah. do you find pants like that?
0: It's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> or I find ones that don't quite fit and get them altered. <laughs> yeah,
1: I guess that's why you have a tailor.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, finding pants is a nightmare. But, uh, but yeah, I, and I can squeeze into, like, a 31 or a 30 uh, inseam if I want. So, I guess what we're learning is we have kind of the same body.
1: Yeah, but a lifelong affliction for me has been... I, I wear dress shirts a lot, mm-hmm. you know, for work and stuff. And uh, the, it, dress shirts, when you, when you buy them, like, off the rack, they just seem like they're made for, like, fat guys. Like, they have, like, big bellies. They look weird when you, like, tuck them in and stuff. They don't stay there. So... I don't know. I'm, I'm tired of that. I'm sick of that. Going yeah. in a different direction.
0: We're 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 a family of slim folks.
1: Yep. Yeah, petite men. Petite petite men. Those
0: petite chest <laughs> men. <laughs> we are fairly tall. Now we're just describing our like bodies to our
1: <laughs> listeners. <laughs>
0: I have two eyes. They're green blue changers.
1: Mine too. Yeah.
0: Hey. Have you seen the gatefold for this album
1: no uh, like the the, for, CD like, and the vinyl no um. uh,
0: it has a very iconic gatefold the image what is a you, gatefold I don't know what that is uh you know how like when you open um, a vinyl album like the kinds of vinyl albums that open like a door and then there's usually an image uh, in the like that opens to you. Uh huh. Um, and oftentimes there's like an interesting image on it. Um, I, think I, that, don't, I, don't,
1: I don't interact with vinyl all that much.
0: I found a great vinyl shop that's right next to where I live, and I love it. And when I was recently there, I got this uh, Yola Tango album. So the gatefold is like this
1: thing. Oh, okay. All right. Have you is found? That... A... I, I I am looking at the ZZ Top gatefold.
0: Can you describe what you see?
1: Uh, yeah, uh, I'm looking at a what appears to be a spread of Mexican food. <laughs> There's some kind of combination plate in the center, with uh What appears to be two enchiladas, probably ground beef, uh, four tacos, uh, and the whole thing is covered in mole sauce. Mm. There are peppers, there's chips and guacamole, there's a bunch of lemons and limes, some shredded cheese, a big ol' beer, and uh, uh, like some, I guess, just Mexican decor, some tortillas. And we've also got a uh, Mexican flag also depicting a very busty woman.
0: <laughs> As I was doing my research for this album, I kept finding like I kept finding oblique references to everyone just used the exact phrase, the iconic gatefold, and like didn't describe it at all. And so eventually I was like, I gotta know what this thing is. And to just find out that it's like a bunch of Mexican food and a lamp and a weird flag. I was like, hell yeah, but also I like, I would, I would put a poster of that up in my home.
1: This, this makes sense to me. Yeah, it feels right. Did you notice that ZZ Top's first album is called ZZ Top's first album? That also feels right to me.
0: Uh, these guys, these guys.
1: <laughs> uh, Cameron, what was your favorite song on the album?
0: Ooh. I had a lot. Of, I had a lot of songs on this album that I liked a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I think my two favorites were probably "Waiting for the Bus." And Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers. Okay. Those were those were two tracks that like both I really enjoyed sonically. They're like they're like rock and roll tracks that's that have like good guitar solos in them. Um, but also a lot of a lot of these songs have lyrics that are either just nonsense or, um, some kind of thing that I can't really connect to for whatever reason. Um, but these were two that I was like, man, I know what it's like to be waiting for a bus. And I know what it's like to be a beer drinker and a hellraiser. Am I right? And like, uh, these songs are two very playful expressions of those two different things. Even in ways that are, like, that come kind of out of left field. Like, there's a, um, there's a verse in Beer Drinks and Drinkers and Hellraisers that's, The joint was jumping like a cat on hot tin. Lord, I thought the floor was gonna give in. Sounding a lot like a house congressional. Because we're experimental and professional. And I was like, what the fuck, y'all? That's good shit.
1: Um, I did like the guitar work on both of those tracks. I thought the guitar work was really, really, really good through yeah. the whole, uh, through the whole, uh, album. But those were not two of my favorite songs.
0: Interesting. Yeah. What were, uh, what were your favorites?
1: I will tell you that my favorite song on this album by a long shot was Master of Sparks.
0: Master of Sparks is fucking crazy.
1: I love that song. I have not stopped listening to that song since I first listened to the album. Uh, When I texted you and told you that I loved this album, it was when I was listening to Master of Sparks.
0: I was misled by your text. Because you texted (laughs) me the following words. Okay. This ZZ Top album fucking trucks ass. Yep. What? I... I couldn't help but assume that you had mistyped fucking sucks ass. (laughs) And I was like, damn, Sean really didn't like this album. And so I went into it with really low expectations and was like, Sean's wrong about this. This is really good. And so I texted you this afternoon. Honestly, I really like this album. And you were like, yeah, it's great, right? And I was like, what?
1: (laughs) Okay, I could could see how that would... Be an issue. What if I had said this instead? The ZZ Top album really hauls ass. Yes. Yeah. 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 I really like Master Sparks. Uh, it has a uh, super crunchy guitar riff going. Just like kind of a flowing like. Uh, hang on one second. I'm getting a phone call. It might be my buddy. For it. Hello. Hey, right now. Wait, do you- yeah. One second.
0: So then Sean went and helped out his co-worker.
1: My uh, co-worker locked himself out of the office. Oh, no. I had to go let him in.
0: Another album that I got the other day at the record store?
1: Oh, Some Girls? Some
0: Girls, bitch. Yep. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, but you were talking about Master of Sparks.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, by far my favorite song on the album, although I also enjoyed move me on down the line yeah I also enjoyed LaGrange of course I -hmm. guess that's the song on the album that everyone knows yeah um I didn't really like Hot Blue and Righteous that song was kind of boring to me
0: yeah there's like Hot Blue and Righteous is like a random slow song that would be at like a prom like it has like that energy to me It, it feels very like Enchantment Under the Sea vibes like,
1: uh, See, slow, slow dancing at the 50s prom. To me, it felt more like one of those... I, I, I really identified that with some of the, like, long, drawn-out, slow, like, hair metal rock ballads from the 80s, like, early 90s. Like, okay. Guns N' Roses style, or, like... I, I don't really like Guns N' Roses overall. Like, their best stuff is is good. But there's just too much of that ballady stuff for me i don't know i don't yeah and
0: it's like in six so it's got that like do 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 thing going on
1: yeah i um
0: i do want to before we get too far from it i do mm want to address the story of master of sparks are you familiar master of sparks is inspired by a true event are you familiar
1: no i did not know that
0: okay so This is something that guitarist Billy Gibbons claims to have experienced. uh, And he also wrote this song and wrote this song about that experience. The Master of Sparks situation is so you take a pickup truck uh, and you take some other parts and construct a big metal cage um, that inside of the metal cage there is... um, like a seat that has a seatbelt on it. Um, you strap somebody into that seatbelt. You put them in the metal cage. You put them on the bed of the truck. You go on the highway. Once you hit sixty miles per hour, you you push the dude off of the of the pickup truck. Sparks fly everywhere. Hot 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 metal. Fire like. And if the guy survives, he holds the title of Master of Sparks. And Billy Gibbons was like, yeah, I'm the Master of Sparks, I did it.
1: Oh my god, that's And that's, that's why awesome. he wrote this song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess that goes a long way towards explaining these lyrics. Uh... <laughs> wild man
0: it's so wild and like this like this song doesn't you would think that that song would sound like very glorious and like self-aggrandizing but it sounds like kind of um it sounds kind of intense in like a bad way (laughs) like like it sounds like a negative experience and the way the song ends it sounds yeah like it sounds unpleasant it sounds horrifying um but the title of Master of Sparks has been has been passed on.
1: See, oh, <laughs> that's crazy. I uh, I thought this song was about like someone being abducted and then escaping.
0: Oh. Wow. Uh,
1: so for, for me, that went a long way towards sort of explaining the tone of the song.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But that's fucking sweet, man. Yeah. That's sweet yeah that's some real zz top texas stuff
0: absolutely oh my god
1: Can can you play a little bit of master of sparks
0: absolutely Yeah, like, oh, and from there they, like, start, I, I can see why you would, it, yeah, it sounds like there's this suggestion that the person doesn't really know this is gonna happen, like, it's kind of like, yeah, I was, like, put in this structure, and then, um, yeah, like, it's, oh, man, it's wild.
1: Uh, when do you think highway star came out
0: what is highway star
1: the deep purple song sounds a lot like that
0: i don't know it at all
1: it sounds a lot like that
0: 1974 damn zz top influential influencers baby
1: yep um yeah so for me being a, a texture boy uh so much of that like so much of that guitar work and uh, the bass going and, oh uh, man, yeah. Just just had me captured. Yeah. Had me captured, it's regardless of lyrical content.
0: Yeah, really evocative and really, yeah, really draws you in.
1: Would you like to touch on LaGrange?
0: We can touch on LaGrange,
1: yeah. Did I skip over something you wanted to hit there?
0: Uh, no, there's a topic that I would like to to go to, but we can go forward through LaGrange and then to that. Um, LaGrange, as we mentioned, is the first and only single from this, uh, album. Uh, it peaked at like 46 or something. Um, it peaked at 41, sorry. Um, though the album did hit top 10, but LaGrange, uh, has like a really iconic, uh, guitar riff. Um, it's, like, lyrically, it doesn't really have a lot going on, but it's about, uh, like, a brothel, um, and it happens to be the same brothel that uh, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas is based on. Did um, not know that? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but the this song is basically just, like, there's this brothel and it exists, and there's a lot of attractive people there. Um, but, yeah. Uh, the vocal style is very muddy waters in a way that like sounds really good but like feels a little weird because like these guys are white. Um and they like don't always sing like this, so it feels like kind of a weird affectation. But um but it's really good. It's a really good
1: song. Are you referring to the aha ha ha's? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's never really felt out of place for me. Yeah, I don't know.
0: I, I feel like hearing it on its own, it doesn't feel out of place. But, like, in the context of this album, I was like, this feels like it comes out of nowhere.
1: Well, to me, it feels like a lot of the stuff that came later, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
1: It fits in more with those later albums.
0: Yeah. Tell me about your um, relationship to LaGrange.
1: I have two things to say on the subject.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Number one. The version of the album that we listened to on Spotify, Mm uh, was a remastered release in 2005 Mm -hmm. and it contained a live version of LaGrange and it is kicking. Yeah. That is an awesome version of the song. It's good. Yeah. Uh, the second thing I have to say is even though the song has a iconic guitar riff, uh, I think the thing that really holds the song together is the drums, and I think for a lot of this album, uh, the drums are really the thing that that just kind of ties the whole thing together. These instruments are really working in sync really, really well. Yeah. And on some of the later albums, I think that kind of disintegrated a little bit, perhaps due to the overproduction, perhaps just due to the ravages of time, but... Everything was firing on all cylinders on this album. And I would say the same thing about uh, some of the later albums as well until we hit like in stage ZZ Top.
0: Yeah. I can't wait to cover more ZZ Top on a podcast. And I'm sad that it will happen in 48 years.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know what? Hey, maybe when we hit like a particularly long stretch. Of a particular artist.
0: Yeah. Maybe we just give nice.
1: ourselves a little treat.
0: Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Oh, the one element of this uh that I wanted to touch on that I that we haven't yet. Um is there's a very interesting, like, philological strain through this album that I did not associate with CZ Top at all. But there's a lot of like stuff about Jesus and angels. And like that happens both lyrically in ways that I found really like beautiful. Like um, in the second track, which is called Jesus Just Left Chicago, um, there's a lyric about like muddy water turned to wine. And I was like, damn, that's fucking poetry. And then, um, compositionally every now and then there'll be like, um, a lyric that's about, that's about theology and divinity and they'll have like a vocal harmony with it. That sounds really churchy and it's like, Oh, that's really interesting. Like I had not thought of this band in that way ever. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I thought that was interesting, too. Um, uh, I wouldn't say I was surprised by it. Uh, It didn't feel out of place to me. It didn't feel... uh, Now that you've brought it up, though, some of the more overt references are kind of strange.
0: Yeah, it's like, if you had told me prior to coming into this album, if you would have been like, ZZ Top have this song called beer drinkers and hellraisers I'd be like totally tracks got it yep uh, but if you were like there's a song called have you heard that's about how much Jesus loves you I'd be like what zZ top they're Hellraisers and also beer drinkers
1: they're dudes who get in the back of uh, f150s and metal cages and get shoved off the back of them yeah going 60 miles an hour down the freeway
0: yeah so I didn't I didn't find it like out of place and like i didn't have a negative response to it at all i just was like oh this is a dimension of this band that i like obviously absorbed in in a way that didn't stick from listening to this when we were younger but like it's there in a way that didn't stick
1: it's very real go ahead and we'll go ahead and take another look at the lyrics to have you heard yeah I don't know what Joe T. Mar is.
0: Joe T. Mar is actually, I did, I did a little digging. Um, Joe Mar is actually a mishearing of that, uh, lyric. They're actually mm-hmm. saying, Nacio Te Amar, um, which is, he was born to love you. Um, hmm. and if it's one of those things where like, they, they pronounce it like that, like it's like incorrect Spanish. But um, going back and listening to it being like, "Oh, is that what they're saying? It's like, oh, yeah, they're definitely just saying that just like with a American accent.
1: Uh, okay,
0: but like there uh, were a lot of there were a lot of like ask.com threads and stuff of people being like, "What the fuck does Joe Tiar mean?" And like people being like, "I don't know, man." And then like one person, in one of them that I found was, like, they're actually saying this Spanish phrase that makes sense with the lyrics before and after it, and I, like, re-listened to it, and I was like, yeah, they are.
1: Huh. All right. Uh, Yeah, that song, not even religious, like, undertones or overtones. That's just straight up about the love of Jesus.
0: Yeah. Just about living right. Texas style. Texas style. Living right, Texas style. (laughs)
1: Well, Cameron, is there anything else you want to touch on this album?
0: No, that that seems like a pretty good, uh,
1: pretty good introduction to Easy Top for our listeners. We haven't just talked about an album that much in a long time. I
0: know, right? This really, this really stirred stuff up in us.
1: Yeah. Um, let me ask you a question, Cameron. Yes. Are you ready to climb Time Life Mountain?
0: Let's fucking do it. I have not listened to a single track. I haven't either. Nope. Yeah. But we will remind listeners that our next, uh, our next album is a Time Life compilation that is called the 25th Anniversary Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Concerts. It is, uh, available on Spotify, uh, and it is four full hours... I think it's gonna, it's, it's intimidating, it's a lot of material, but I'm really excited to, like, like, these are, these are the greats, it's a very, it's a very, like, uh, white and male cross-section of rock and roll, and even the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, but hell, I'm down to listen to some fucking U2, I'm down to, like, listen to some Bruce Springsteen, some Simon and Garfunkel? Sure, why not? Let's do it.
1: Before we conclude here, Cameron, you got me curious as to whether ZZ Top is touring. Mm. Get a load of this. Lay it on me. In in March, they are playing five shows in Las Vegas at the Venetian.
0: Even Las Vegas, baby.
1: Then after that, they are playing a series of venues that I just cannot understand here's where they're going to be they're going to Stockton, California about two hours east of San Francisco Uh, not a great town and then they launch their Canadian tour they are playing none of the major cities in Canada opting for venues such as Abbotsford Whoa! Kamloops, Cranbrook, which is a town I've never even heard. Yeah, of. Yeah, what the fuck is Kamloops? <laughs> I love this. They're playing Saskatoon and Moose Jaw. Jesus
0: Christ!
1: And then they're, uh... oh man, yeah, they're just making their way across Canada. Whoa. Then they're in, uh... then they're in Ottawa. Then they're in Lav- Laval, Quebec. Why didn't they choose a? Why didn't they choose Montreal or Quebec City? Why didn't Uh, they? They're playing Moncton, New Brunswick. That town is not ready for ZZ Top. (laughs) Uh, Then they're ending their tour in St. John's, Newfoundland. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I would like someone to explain that to me. Yeah.
0: I mean, I did notice that um, on Dad's t-shirt... Anchorage was the stop between, uh, v- Vancouver was right before Anchorage, which makes sense, and then after mm-hmm. was Prince George, and then after was Calgary.
1: So they went back down. Prince, Prince George is just north of uh, Vancouver.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I've been to Prince George. I had a hairy experience there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, Damn, they're constantly touring. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah, it looks like they're they're going back to the south after that. They're bumping over to Hamburg, Germany, for that one show and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's so good! Wow, they're in they're in Hamburg, Germany on a Wednesday. That Friday, they're back in Corpus Christi. <laughs>
0: this door manager was some quirky individual
1: yeah i love it man i love it absolutely
0: well we'll uh we'll encourage our listeners if you're if you're down for a journey with us to go ahead and listen to the 25th anniversary rock and roll hall of fame concerts um but is there any anything else you want to cover today sean
1: Our mom sent us a link to a list of best new podcasts of 2020, despite the fact that we started in 2019 (laughs) and we're on it. That's pretty cool.
0: Hell yeah. That is cool. Thanks mom. Yeah. Thanks mom. And also thanks last FM who put us on that list.
1: Is that what it's called? I think so. I think it was player.fm
0: player. Thank you to player.fm. The editorial board of player.fm is like listening to this right now. And they're like, furious they were like we <laughs> fucking we stood for you and you called us the wrong thing cameron you are off the list
1: well, maybe they should throw a little money our way maybe they should wet the beak a little bit hey we'll give him a plug
0: yeah brought to you by player.fm um anyway yeah so like until next time folks call your dad
1: call your dad